grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I am your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, talk shit, talk shop and reminisce about crazy old stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with a guest and reminisce about the crazy old days. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City, Ray Zondini. Very close, Brandon. Very close. Zawadney. Zawadney. But I take I told you it was gonna happen. I know, but I I, I appreciate the confident saying of it. because uh, I've I've been brought up so many times with the wildest things on stage. I could imagine. Worst one ever was this guy said, Next comedian you're gonna love, man. He's my friend Ray. Zawini is some shit like that. <laughs> you said like, it just like that? Yeah. Or some shit like that. Zawadni. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Polish. Okay. Very Polish. Very, very Polish. Yeah. Well, tell everybody. Okay, so a couple things. You're brand new to the show, first time guest. So we're going to go over kind of how you got into comedy, uh, kind of your journey to that point. We're going to sprinkle in some crazy stories because you did send me some. <laughs> and then, uh, but first, before we do any of that, plug everything up front the podcast, plug the social media, the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, you could find me. At Raby Killinum on all social media. <laughs> That's Instagram, Twitter. You catch me on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel was Ray Zawadney. And uh, my podcast, uh, fairly new, just came out about three months ago. It's called The Brand New Jerks. I do that with Sean Donnelly. And that can be followed on TikTok at Brand New Jerks Pod. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube and you can find us anywhere where you find podcasts. You're the second person I've had on that has a show with Sean Donnelly. Oh really? Kevin McCaffrey, I've had on too. Oh yes, yes. They they do the uh, they do the serious show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird. It's like I'm circling him. I'm gonna have to get him on. Get him on. He'd be days. he'd be great. He's a great guest, and he is one of my drinking buddies. Is he? Oh so, yeah, and one, of, and one of Kevin's. So. <laughs> so tell everybody. So you're originally from Pittsburgh. Yes. You are friends with Colin, who's a former guest of the show, friend of the show, which is how kind of you and I fell into it. Yeah, yeah. Colin said, "Ray, you're you're." Big filthy lush. Uh, you'd be great for my friend Brendan's podcast. Hit him up, and yeah, then that's how we got here. Perfect. So, for those of you listening, if you heard uh, Colin's episode from Pittsburgh, which is where you come from as well, you kind of moved at the same time. So, let's kind of get into how you got into comedy because that's I always find that fascinating. I've heard everything from I really liked attention, and comedy is a great way to get attention to people like me, where it's like, no, comedy is the most important thing in life. Like, I'll die before I stop doing comedy. So, <laughs> I know, extremes. But where do you fall kind of on that spectrum? Were you always a fan of stand up or just a fan of comedy in general? How did you end up doing this in New York City? Yeah, always a fan of stand up. Okay. Always love stand up comedy. And I was a performer in like high school, like theater and high, stuff. Yeah, I did like okay. the high school plays and the musicals. And I just grew up on stand-up comedy like my mom used to watch the rodney dangers Dangerfield's young professional or young comedians uh show clearly i didn't watch it uh no but so you were exposed to it at a young age a very young age okay. like i watched eddie murphy raw when i was like six did you really? yeah yeah so I, I mean i always 
always loved it. And then when I got out of college, I didn't know what the hell to do. I was working for like a year at a job I hated. And where did you go to college? West Virginia University. So you're a Mountaineer. Mount, go Mountaineers. Hell big yeah. Pa- big party school. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a big, a lot of people I have on and they'll uh, talk about like going to college and it's always some like weird, small, private, and I'm always like, what the fuck is happening? So yeah. you went to a college college. Yeah, it was the number one party school in the in the country when I was there. How did you end, oh wow, how did you end up there from Pittsburgh? Uh, it's, it's only 90 minutes from Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Did you look up like top party schools were you like a party kid or it would did just happenstance no my high school girlfriend went there her okay her family went there and they kind of got me into hanging out and going to games and parties before Absolutely. i even went there i want to get back to west virginia because yeah. this seems like it's going to be a, a fun time but before we get there you were after college you said you were kind of didn't know what you wanted to do you had this job and then you just what happened? It was something I always loved. I saw that there was a kid I went to high school with that was uh, a couple years older than me, and he was doing stand-up comedy. And, you know, no offense to him or anything. I was just kind of like, if he could do it, I could do it. Absolutely. You know? So How many times are we at shows and you see people who go up and they're past at certain places and you're like, this is, come on. Travesty. <laughs> no. But, yeah, no, you definitely do that. I mean, I, we're all competitive. I ex- Extremely competitive. And I just... Started doing it, and the first time I did it, brought all my friends out, yeah. all my family, and I crushed. Did you? Yeah, but Fuck I was, yeah. but I was doing shit like, yo, you know, you know how Uncle Steve yeah. walks like this, and everybody's like, yeah, we fucking know, we Uncle, fucking Steve. know Uncle Steve. Yeah. But um, but then the second time I did it, I did it with my girlfriend at the time and my buddy, and those were the only people I knew there, and it was this like shitty open mic in the south side of Pittsburgh, and I went up like twenty sixth. And oh my bombed God. my face off. And that was the moment where I thought to myself, oh, now I have to do this. Okay. Because I know Beautiful. I'm funny. Love I know it. I'm better than this. I, you know, uh, and it's just like kind of like chasing a dragon. Absolutely. And that's something that I bring up all the time is that you can really tell people who want to continue to pursue this when they bomb. Because it's like I had the same mentality because I – would bomb all the time and i was like i know i can do like i know i can do this like and so it's that i don't know if it's masochism or what but that whole like i'm gonna (laughs) fucking keep coming back keep getting my dick kicked in until this starts working well it's the it's the only thing i have never quit and one of the only things that i feel like i've ever gotten validation for okay I mean that as as uh, not to get too dark, but no, that was what we're about. Yeah. <laughs> but that was my way, like being funny and performing at a very young age was my way to get attention from you know my family. Absolutely, I I joke about it on here. My uh, I used to do impressions. I was real big on impressions when I was younger, and that was something that my father and I connected on because he would have a couple of pops and be like, Brennan, do the De Niro, do it. Do it, dude. And at the time, like even to this day, when I get, go home, he'll still do that. And I always act like I don't want to. I'm always like, no, I mean, <laughs> maybe. And then I like, you know, like that little girl playing hard to get. I'm like, I don't know. And then I do it and everybody laughs. I'm like, fuck yeah. Book it. <laughs> dude, I'm not kidding you. Same thing. Like I, I grew up in bars with my dad as, as, a, as a little kid, whether he was there working or getting hammered. Yeah. And I would 
hang out. I'd learn street jokes from all of his friends. <laughs> I would try to I would try to impress them, telling them street jokes that I knew. And this is me at like seven, yeah, eight years old. And then my dad would be like, "Hey, Raymond, show them, uh, show them that impression of you doing Cagney." I yeah, was doing, I was doing Cagney, but it was an impression of. Uh, Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles doing keg. Okay, that's that's my uh, walk-in. Is okay, an impression of an impression of an impression. It's like uh, Jay Moore doing the impression. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like it's totally distorted. But if you get the pitch right, if you just do the ow, people are like, oh, that's walking. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, there we go. Well, it's all about just selling it. Yeah, you just got to, the De Niro is just a face. You just make the face, and pe- yeah, exactly. You got it. Boom. We're not doing video, but it was a great face. Thank you. Thank you. So. Where the first open mic where you brought everybody was that at the the club that's there in Pittsburgh? No, it was at a bar called the Steel Town Inn. Okay. Coincidentally, it is the new version of one of the bars that I grew up in. Oh, I'm okay. Talking about that's it, awesome. It used to be called Hooves Place. It was run by my dad's good buddy, and then once it transitioned over to the Steel Town Place, none of the same people were there, but I still got everybody to come, and it was a mixed mic. So I was one of two people. It was me and a high school friend doing comedy. Everybody else was playing music. Yeah. So, I mean, I stood out, too, regardless. I mean, there was no competition. Me and my buddy Sean were the funniest ones yeah. there. That's awesome. So did you – you said you bombed at the second one going 26. That's nuts. Horrifically. And then you decided, like, oh, I'm going to keep working at this. I want to keep trying. When did you meet Colin? Uh, I, met, I, I probably started comedy a year, a year and a half before Colin – and he would would come to the to the mics, and I'm a big still to this day, and probably to my own detriment. I'm a big when I'm hanging out at a mic or hanging out at a show. I'm not the one that's like, oh, how are you working on your Tonight Show set? Hey, have you talked to this club owner? Do you know this person? Which probably to my detriment, but I think some people overdo that shit. Oh yeah, for it's sure. like, dude, there's a time and a place for the networking. I'm more the guy that's goofing around. I'm running bits. Speaking of impressions, we're doing impressions. Yeah. And Colin was kind of the same way. Absolutely. And we would, you know, just have a good time and laugh and make each other laugh. But we really became close. Speaking of drinking buddies, uh, my first full weekend featuring at the club, he hosted. And I got a DUI that Saturday night, like a pretty horrific DUI that we, we could get into later yeah. if you'd like. Um, and <laughs> I had my license suspended. For two months. Also, I didn't have a car for a while because I totaled the car. Oh, my God. So anytime I was getting booked on something, I said, hey, can you book Colin Chamberlain as well? If you're looking for somebody else, could you put Colin Chamberlain on? Could you do that? And Colin would just drive me oh, that's to the awesome. gigs. Yeah. So we just became real close that way. And then, you know, started doing road stuff together. Absolutely. See, and that's the cool thing is because to like what you're talking about, I enjoy – it's interesting since getting sober, I hear it all the time in specific rooms. I can't talk about it because they're anonymous, but people say all the time, like, I never felt like I belonged till I started coming to AA. And I'm always like, that's weird because that's how I feel when I'm around comics is like we're all broken toys. And like, it's like I feel more comfortable in a room full of comedians than I do in a room with my family or like quote unquote friends or even at meetings. I like, I'm like, I'd rather like hang out in the back of the club or even at a mic. Like I'd rather just hang out with everybody before and after, which might be to my detriment. Cause that's why I only do like one or two mics a day. Cause I'll stay for the whole mic. And then I hang out with everybody and I'm just like talking shit. Yeah. And like literally like a mini podcast is I guess what everything's turning into, but that's what it is. And I'm the same way where it's like, 
if people want to talk about like if they're working on something or they want to talk about that kind of stuff, I'm down to talk about it. But I'd rather just like bullshit and dick around than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's like I feel like that after show hang. It's talking about work outside of work. If yeah. You, if you compared it to being an accountant and you leave the accounting firm and you're like, oh, so how, how was your day? The how numbers. Many, how many taxes did you do today? <laughs> See, I don't know anything about that business. I don't know why I use that as an example. Well, it's like, I mean, it happens all the time <laughs> in the service industry is we get off, you know, because I wait tables. And then if we all if we all go to hang afterwards, everyone just bitches about the tables that they had that day. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's I guess, part of it. Yeah. 100% that's part of it. You, you bitch about comedy. You bitch about the shows. I just I don't I I got into this, you know, be one because I love it, two because I think I'm good at it and stuck with it because of that, but I also do it because it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's still fun. At the end of the day, as much as we're cutting each other's throats to want to get into clubs or to get late night spots, it's a job where we make money goofing around on stage, doing impressions, talking about our dick. <laughs> like I mean, let, let's let's call it what it is. Yeah, absolutely. You, you you got into this so you don't stress. You're not doing a regular job because of that reason, right? Yeah. Or well, and wrong? that's you know. No, I completely agree with you. I um, I say it all the time, but because I grew up as a depressed, anxious kid, and my cousin introduced me to stand up when I was like 12 years old. It was like the old Comedy Central presents, Mitch Hedberg, Tom Rhodes, those kind of those ones, and uh, I remember I loved it. And I remember, and the listeners have heard this a thousand times, but I remember thinking like I could put on one of those sets because I'd record them on VHS. So I'd have them all the time. And if I ever got to the point where I would start freaking out or panicking or have an anxiety attack or just get so depressed, like I didn't know what I was doing. And this is at like 12, I would put on the comedy and stand up comedy was one of the only things where I could watch it for 30 minutes or an hour and I could laugh and have a good time. And that's what really drew me into it because it's like these people are just standing on stage completely vulnerable, which is why, again, I'm attracted to darker comics. Like, you know what I mean? Like the the the, I really like the, the like some of the darker stuff. And that's just because that's how I was introduced to it. But it, it was fascinating. And then it wasn't until I saw Dane Cook's Comedy Central Presents because Hedberg and Rhodes and all those guys I loved, but I had nothing in common with them. Sure. I was a super energetic, loud, boisterous kid. And then I saw Dane go and I was like, oh. I want to do that. Like what he, you know, ripping his shirt off, throwing the water on himself. I was like, I, I can do that. Like, I can, you know what I mean? Like in my head as a kid, I was like, yeah. oh, this guy's more my speed. Like this is how I act. And so that's what like introduced me to stand up. But again, at the end of the day, we got into it, You like you said, because we love it. But also because it's like this is this is like what we do. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Not, it's yeah. fun. It's different. It's weird. And best. and there is I, I'm I'm not discrediting the fact that there is a huge business aspect of it, especially now more than ever being oh, yeah. a self-starter, having things like a podcast, having things like a social media presence. It's 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 really tough and it's way more of a business for the actual comedian than it ever has been. But some people take themselves too seriously. And yeah. I know that sounds crazy. I'm to one say. of them. No, I'm definitely one of them. Oh yeah. I'm very much – and this is interesting. I love having people on the podcast that, like, I don't want to say, like, argue with, but, like, you know, have different viewpoints. Sure. Because this is one of my favorite things is I have so many people on and we're comics and we talk about getting fucked up and stuff. And a lot of times it's just kind of like, all right, that's the show. But I love having people on with a different opinion just because 
from what I said about the anxiety and depression stuff, I take com- like comedy saved my life. So I take it incredibly seriously. So I'm very much of the belief that if you can get on stage and make, you know, say there's 10 people in the audience that are going through a tough time, like a real tough, like an actual tough time. And if you can make them laugh or escape from whatever they're doing, I think that's more important than the other 190 people in the room. But again, I take it too seriously. No, see, I, I think we're, I think we're, I, I don't, I don't think that this is a disagreement or anything. I, I'm saying I think people should take comedy seriously. I take comedy very yeah. seriously. Okay, but myself, I don't oh, take okay. so I'm sorry, seriously. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I've that's, actually, I've had, that's what I meant. I, yeah. I, I'm very bad at explaining myself, and I'll talk in circles. <laughs> also, if it did become an argument. I don't argue. I would just back yeah, up. Yeah, no, I would do the, I'd do the same thing. I, I'd be like, hey, you're probably right. Let's move on. Dude. I've had people on the pod. That's why I didn't want to say argument, just like <laughs> differing viewpoints. Because I've had people on the, I've actually had people on the show where they go, no, it's about, it's about making everyone laugh. Like your job is to make everyone laugh. And I go, yeah, but to what detriment? Like, I'm not going to hump a stool because I think that's kind of hacky and I don't think that's being creative at all. But I've had some people on where their viewpoint is it doesn't matter if it's hack. It doesn't matter if it's garbage. Like if you're making people laugh, that's all that matters. I disagree with that. Okay, yeah. Because I've I've, I've, – it's just a weird thing with comedy because it is subjective. And it's totally – Very subjective. And it's totally up to the audience. And hack works. Hack Hack works That's why it's hack. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I think you write – and develop your act and your material based off of what you yourself think is funny and what is most most authentic to you. And if that's something that works and they agree with you, you'll have success and you'll yeah. be good. I, I, I just I just think that when you start writing for what other people want, you're losing the battle. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with you. I had um I had a, I have a, a few bits that don't work too often, but I think they're very funny. And Chris Buck, shouts out, he listens, and we were just talking about him before. Yeah. What's up, Chris? He, um, I remember I was getting so frustrated because I was like, I don't understand. Like, I guess this is just isn't funny. And he goes, whoa, did you write it? And I go, yeah. And he goes, did you write it because you thought it was funny? And I go, yeah. And then he goes, then it's funny. Like, you just have to find out how to translate how it's funny in your head to the audience. That's your job as a comic to be like, I know this is funny somehow. Now it's my job to do the work to portray that to the audience. He goes, don't just throw it away because you're like, oh, it's only funny to me. He's like, you're not unique. Like other people are going to think it's funny. You just have yeah. to figure out how to how to get that over to them. Well, I, I always thought the trick was that you never laugh. And this is the royal you and this is you specifically. You never laugh as hard in your life than the way you laugh when you're with your friends or your family, the people that truly know you. Or yeah. like nobody ever cracks you up like one of your like boys. And it's not on stage. It's something that happens in life and in the moment and a story. And it's the, this is the hardest thing. So I'm not saying that like it's easy. But what the goal for me has always been is how do I take that and translate it to the masses? 100%. That's it's kind exactly of what you're saying what there did. with yep. Chris's advice yeah. is where something happens and, and it's making you laugh so hard. If it's making you laugh that hard, it has to have some type of um, – it has to have some type of merit. Yeah, in it the has world to translate somehow. Yeah, so you got to just find that, and it's tough it's because <laughs> because you're doing it to a group of people that don't have all the backstory. They're not a part of your. They're not a part of your life. They yeah. don't know Uncle Steve. They <laughs> Who don't, walks funny? Yeah, they don't. They don't know all this. I don't even have an Uncle Steve. I'm <laughs> saying that. Um, 
but my my uncle, I have, I have an uncle Dick, and it just sounded like I was trying would be trying to be funny, and I was like, no, it's, it it's sounds really forced. The guy's yeah. name, yeah. Um, but yeah, like like it's it's bringing people into a world. I think absolutely. I it it's kind of fun how that happened. I thought we were going to disagree on something, and we ended up coming full circle and actually being a hundred percent in. No, it was step. more. I I think you were just. Uh, misinterpreting or i was poorly conveying my issue with comedians that get off stage and act like they're performing fucking heart surgery (laughs) (laughs) like like that's my issue you know people people that walk into an open mic or into a show and they're like acting like they're a politician and they're shaking everybody's hands and acting that way i don't like that shit no i completely (laughs) Especially, it's funny because I I did a show one time uh, for Isaac and Andrew, the Village Idiot guys, and I remember because I had seen them at a bunch of open mics, yeah. and my whole thing is like, especially still doing open mics as long as I've been doing comedy, I only go to open mics if I'm working on something new. So a lot of it's not polished. A lot of times it's like for sure exactly what you're talking about. It's like this happened. It was because I'm a storyteller. So it's like this happened. This was funny. Now I just have to keep saying it in different ways to make you guys think it's funny, and. And so I like when people see me at an open mic, they don't see like what I have, like they see what I'm working on. And I remember I did a show with them and like an actual show. So I did my, you know, my 10 minute set and I came off and I go, man, that was really good. That was, that was like really good. And it's like, yeah, what do you think I'm like going to open mics, like throwing fucking heaters? Like, what do you think happens? (laughs) Walking into open mics like you're performing arts. What's what's a lot of things? It, it's it, we were talking about this before we we started recording just that idea of doing comedy for a while before you come to New York and the credits not transferring yeah and it being kind of tough on the ego tough on you know your self esteem absolutely because because you know what you can do on stage you know you can do well and there are those moments where you get that validation like you said from those guys where did this come from you're great blah 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 and it's like yeah dude I'm not like I'm not past at clubs here or i'm not getting a bunch of stage time here or recognition it's not because i stink it's because nobody knows who the fuck i am yeah because i haven't paid my dues here it's because i'm a shitty networker because maybe i need to start acting a little more like the heart surgery every once in a while but Um, i wanted to uh get back to the west virginia yeah yeah sorry i got all fired i get all fired up sometimes dude i love this let's fucking go uh so you went to school you said you went for uh I went for broadcast journalism. Yeah. Because I, no bullshit. I say this is a joke on stage, but sadly, it's the truth. It's because I loved Anchorman. Oh, really? And and I wanted to be some type of, I wanted to be an actor and I didn't think I could sell anybody on that. Nobody paid for my college, but I didn't want the judgment of going to school for acting. Yeah. So I went for something else that might get me on TV. There you go. Didn't work. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, so you said you went to West Virginia because you had an ex and her whole family was Mountaineers, diehard? Yeah, diehard Mountaineer fans. She was a diehard Mountaineer fan. She went there. As, and so did you go because she went there or just because you were around it so much that you were like, oh, I want to check it out? Ah, both. Okay. I, I mean, I never planned on going to college and it was nice to kind of have that mind made up for me. Was that the only one you sense. applied to? I applied to two others. Okay. But you decided to go to West Virginia. Hell yeah. fucking yeah. What was that like growing up? Because you said you grew up around your dad and in bars and stuff. So what was that transition like going from like 
the the childhood that you had being in bars and like joking around with your dad's friends and stuff to now being a freshman at college like did you let loose or were you already a, like a pretty big party guy I see I was already a pretty big party guy okay uh, so when did I just you, when I did just that con- start I just continued like I, I probably started boozing at like 13 okay let's get into yeah. it yeah what uh were you with friends or like you just were experimenting at the house or like when was the first time you got like fucked up that you can remember I've never been a lone drinker Oh really? There, there's there's part of me sometimes that uh, that thinks I might have an alcohol problem, um, potentially, but I've never had the drinking alone thing. See, and that's but I, but but I think that's a common misconception. People will say I'm not an alcoholic. It's not like I drink alone. Yeah, like that that was my my favorite thing towards the end of my alcohol or my boozing was drinking alone. Okay, because. I I liked going out to bars and I liked the social aspect, but I'm by nature a loner. Like I've always been a loner. Um, and so I started to get frustrated with the, like going out. And then you always have that one buddy that gets too fucked up and is like loud and draws unnecessary attention. Yep. And like they say in wedding crashes, you know, draw attention to yourself, but on your own terms. In and- a positive way. Yeah. <laughs> so you sitting and sulking in the corner. I wasn't sulking. I twisted my ankle. Uh <laughs> But that was the thing was I didn't like being around people like, you know, especially servers and stuff. We'd all go out and get fucked up together. And there's always that server who was too loud. And despite my horrific alcoholism, for the most part, I was never the guy that got like crazy loud or like like I would get the more fucked up I got, the quieter I got. And it was funny Mm. because in college, that was like the big joke. Like when I was like getting everybody to do shots and I was like starting the party, people like people who didn't know me would be like, man, Brennan's fucked up. And all my very close friends would be like, no, he's not. And then when I'd be sitting on the couch in silence, they'd go, <laughs> now he's fucked up. Dude, that is so funny you say that. My buddy, I don't know if you know him, comic Adam Gully. No. I didn't know about this about myself, but I always thought I was the loud guy and I got drunk. And, and I am. I am that while I'm boozing to an extent. And then I reach what he called statue ray. Okay. And I guess it was at my – I had a birthday – like a little birthday get-together at a bar last year. And somebody said to – Adam goes like, "Uh, Ray, he doesn't seem too fucked up. He doesn't seem too bad. And Adam said to the dude, oh, he's he's fucked up. Just give it two minutes and he'll he'll turn into statue Ray. And he's like, what's statue Ray? He's like, you'll see. (laughs) And then I guess next thing I know, I'm just like a stone just sitting in the corner not saying a word. That's that's so crazy because that's exactly what would happen to me is – same thing. I get fucked up to the point where I would just be sitting in silence. And then my buddy Dan, who the original drinking buddy, the whole reason the show exists, yeah. because we 10 years ago, we used to get fucked up at college and talk about starting a podcast where we would just get drunk and call it drinking buddies. That's how the whole idea started. But I had him on the podcast and we talked about it. He was like, yeah, man, like, at, like we would have you over to start the party because you're very social and you're very good at getting people going. And then he goes, after you got kind of like too fucked up, we just walk, like, and I was telling him, I was like, hey, you guys would just walk me downstairs to the spare room and like put the TV on, put my bottle right, <laughs> literally like a child, put my baba on the table. Cause if I didn't have my booze, I'd flip the fuck yeah. out. So they'd put like my bottle of rum on the table with like a little Coke chaser and they'd turn on the TV and just walk away. And they I set just- a baby monitor down there. <laughs> And I would just sit down there by my, and nothing made me happier. And that brings us back to what we were talking about was like, by the time I got old enough, I was like, wait, I'm a grown up. Like I, I can just buy booze at the store and drink by myself. Yeah. And which is what I liked. I put on Jersey Shore and act like I was partying with those guys. <laughs> 
But you were always your. My dad used to do it with Cheers when he would babysit me when I was. There a kid. you go. Exactly the same thing. Watch Cheers. Yeah, because you feel like you're just hanging out at the bar with everybody. Or, or were you a blackout? See, that's the thing is I've blacked out before, but I am not a blackout drinker. I mean, I guess I am because I'd wake up and be like, oh, my God, I watched 10 episodes of Burn Notice. I don't even remember. So I guess I was, but I'd be in situations. You sound like a responsible drunk. You're just watching Burn Notice. I love Burn Notice. It was funny. My ex-fiance used to call me when we shared a Netflix account. She'd be like, are you drinking again? I go, how do you know? She goes, because Burn Notice is popping up on the Netflix queue. (laughs) But that was the thing was I would never put myself in. I would black out, yes, but I would not be in precarious situations where I'd wake up like, oh, my God, how did I get here? Because I'd start drinking on my couch and then I'd wake up. And still be on my couch. Okay. So at, one, at a certain point, I'd black out. Like sometimes I'd start my Xbox and I'd, I'd notice I'd gotten like three levels up in Skyrim. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember playing. So I guess I was blacked out. But yeah, I I, I, I black out a lot. Okay. I've blacked out a lot. Yeah. So are you the kind of person where once you, because I've had people on before and we've talked about this, where they'll have like three or four drinks and then it just lights out. Are you like that or you can hang? I can hang to an extent. And it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. Really? I, I, would, I would no shit say... Now, 30 to 40% of the time I get drunk, I black out. Wow. At least at some point in the night. Yeah. Well, and that's not, that's not uh, like a full black. Terrible. Yeah. But, but that, I, um, but it, but it causes me insane anxiety. Oh, I can't it, imagine. It cause, like, like, you know, I'm subject to being anxious and depressed and thinking people hate me in general. Like, yeah. Like it happens when I'm comedy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so when I'm, drunk and i don't remember things and then i see stuff that i've texted on my phone to people that has that yeah i used to do this thing when i'd get blackout drunk i would text a bunch of people i'd be texting exes i'd be texting friends i'd be i'd text my fucking mom you know but drunk ray would try to save sober ray so i would delete the text no so i just wake up the next morning to these response texts and i gotta play detective Oh my God! Yeah. That you just saying that gives me anxiety yeah, because it's one of those I, I things sabotage where it's like, myself. Yeah, it's like no, I need to know because then you can, if you know what you said, you can like be like, hey, do a little dance, like, hey, yeah, I totally was talking about us getting back together, but you know, but you at least know what you said. I couldn't imagine going into that blind where people are just like, what, and you're like, huh? Yeah, and they're like, well, you texted me like, and I, oh my God, that that scares the shit out of me. So you. Or 13, drinking with friends. Friends, fan, like cousins. Yeah. That type of thing. My brother would throw me some. I mean, I mean, shit, my dad, before he, because uh, when I was about 13 or, oh, God, this is probably going to come up in therapy. That's <laughs> when he moved to Kentucky. My dad lived in Kentucky and I lived in Pittsburgh. He lived in Kentucky most of my life. So I didn't okay. see him a lot for a very long period of time and nor before then. Like I would only see him when I was, he was like a weekend dad. Yeah. So I started actually like boozing with my friends and family at like 13 where it would be like a family party and we'd steal a bunch of booze yeah and absolutely drink, get fucked up and uh yeah it was, it was so fun so when you it's get still fun to, oh yeah it's the i'm sorry i miss but, it know. so much no it is it's 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 one of the most fun things to be hanging out and having a couple of drinks and having a good time I talk to savannah my girlfriend all the time about it now like when we used to go home because i didn't start drinking until 18 but when I come from a big drinking family. So when we would yeah. go home, that was an event. That was like, it was so much fun to like do shots. And then everyone's sitting around the, like the dining room table and we're just talking shit, just having a good time. And it was so much fun. And I go back now and I still have a great time with my family, but there is an element where I'm kind of like, it's not as much fun. Are as you bored a little? Yeah and, yeah. and part of it is in my head, I'm playing politics. It's like, 
because I'm not as free as I would be if I was drunk and I just say whatever. Like in my head, I'm like, all right, I have to be careful of what I say because I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And then I'm over now I'm overthinking. Yeah. Which is not fun. <laughs> you have two things at play. One, the lack of inhibition, like like or you don't have that like carefree attitude that you have when you're drunk and also you don't have the excuse of being like yeah ah, if i did hurt somebody's feelings i was fucked up yeah exactly you so know? it's this it's this game now where i'm just kind of like just smiling uh yeah absolutely uh-huh uh-huh oh, i like i love i i do i love boozing yeah. i love ripping the shots i, I ah, love it but i'm at the point now in my life where i'm really trying to cut back because I'm noticing, you know, the hangovers last longer. I'm, I, I feel shitty. I feel that anxiety way worse. I feel depressed. I'm like losing two days after or after drinking, whether at the night I black out, plus the next day of being hungover. Sometimes they're turned into two day hangovers. So I notice that when I'm not drinking as much, and I'm not drinking at all, even that I'm so much more focused. I'm better at my job. I'm better at comedy. I, I have more drive, but it's more boring. It's so, so boring. there's a balance. Man. I have a whole bit about like the like I talk about being sober for four years and everybody cheers and I go, don't. It's not. Nope. That's not why I said that. I said yeah. it because it's literally the cons for me. Obviously, the pros outweigh the cons. I'm not getting arrested anymore. I almost died the last time I drank. Like literally, ended up in the ER being told oh, I should have been dead. Yeah, I, I got severe alcohol poisoning. Um, drinking by myself. Uh, yeah, dude. But, uh, Call me next time. I'll come do some shots. <laughs> but uh, but it's one of those things where obviously that's why I don't drink anymore. I can't because I don't know what's going to happen. Last yeah. time, like I said, I almost died. Well, I don't think some people are supposed to drink yeah. or at least some people aren't supposed to drink for that long. Yeah, I, I went through an entire handle. I, normally, this is how much I used to drink is I'd go through a handle of Smirnoff vodka, the handle, the big like 1.75 yeah. in 36 hours. Yeah, and that's and that's what ended up almost killing me was because I got to the ER and I came out of the blackout, like came to in the ER and the doctor was like, yeah, we've seen this before, but normally those people don't wake up. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like, what's up, man? Yeah. And I made the corny joke where I was like, well, I've been training for this my whole life. But it was one of those things where I was and like- And the doctor was like, all right, shut the fuck up. Yeah. We're trying to save your life. He's, yeah, he's like, you need AA. Um, but uh, I say that to say that like, so I know I, I can't. And I try everything in my power not to. Like, I do everything I'm supposed to do. But it's so fucking boring. Yeah. I mean, it is. I, I was trying to. I mean, there's been times where I've put myself in the penalty box. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're not drinking for 10 days or whatever. Or you're. <laughs> you're yeah. You're, you're, you're. Get off the ice. You're doing a. Like uh, I'm setting amounts for myself. Like I'm only gonna have four drinks tonight, and you're sitting there, and you're like, "Man, I just want to go home now. If I'm not gonna stay here and really party and be What's at this the bar till yeah. four in the morning, what the fuck am I doing here?" Yeah, exactly. And that's I don't want to make because I have a lot of people that listen, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm I'm like being down on the fact that I'm sober. Like obviously, it's afforded me. No, there's so many benefits. The, man. the, the fact that we're sitting in here talking is only because I am sober. The Hell fact yeah. that I got my shit together to move to New York and start the podcast and do the studio. So, but that's all. The reason I hate is like I feel like I have to justify like the fact that I said it's boring, but it's fucking true. Like I I have this bit on stage, but it's 100% true. In AA, people say all the time, my worst day sober is better than my best day drunk. And all I think in my head is what a bunch of fucking losers. <laughs> Like, I had great days drunk. Yeah, like, you weren't drinking at the right places, Yeah, dude. like, are you fucking out of your mind? Yeah. Have but you it, ever watched Burn Notice with a <laughs> handle of vodka? 
No? All right. But I wanted to – but that's the thing. And so like especially in college because college for me, I reinvented myself. I got bullied and I hated high school. Like even though I played football and stuff, I'd get bullied by everybody. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't see that. Oh, yeah. You probably get that a lot. You I, got... Yeah. I've Depression and anxiety and stuff. Like I used to get bullied to the point where I'd hurt myself. Like, oh, I, damn. I didn't know how to deal with it. You're like in a good – you're in good shape. Good yeah. looking guy. Well, great haircut. Thank you. Unfortunately, there's no video. We need the videos. Everybody could see how handsome you are. Um, But – I, that's why I put my face on the, uh, oh, there the you cover. Go. <laughs> uh, but when I got to college, I was like, I'm not taking shit anymore. Like, I'm going to reinvent myself. And that's exactly what I did. I, you know, a lot of people talk about changing their life, but that's what I did. And I remember, dude, that's when I fucking took off. Like, I would go to, like, parties, and I was playing college football at the time. So it was just, like, it was a whole new animal. I finally, like, felt like I belonged, like, in a situation so I know that's what was college for me was it was insane and it was parties all the time. You go to the number one party school in the entire country and you already were like kind of, you know, you were a social guy. You were already drinking with friends and family and stuff. So when you got there, were you just like, let's fucking go? I was less social. I think I was more social in high school okay. and, and a little bit fish out of water in, in West Virginia at first. But I, I just found that I, I don't have any really close friends. I, I've maybe – two total that I still keep in touch with from college. Same way. And I had a lot of acquaintances, but no like super close friends. There were all people that my friendship with them was purely based on partying, getting fucked up. Yep. Beer pong tournaments, stuff like that. A thousand percent. I've got like my buddy Dan and my buddy Sean Murphy are probably my two closest friends. One was my roommate. And the other one is just my ex drinking buddy. Yeah. But other than that, I barely communicate with anybody from college, which is weird because if we all get in the same room, like we'll talk, we'll shoot the shit. But I'm not like I'm I not just, getting invited to weddings and stuff. I just don't. I don't remember a lot of college. Wow. Of the blacking out. I got uh, I got three public urinations while I was there. Yeah, let's talk about that. I I got I've I've had a lot of pee problems with drinking. Yeah, because you sent me a list, and for the people listening, I do have a list. We'll peel back the curtain. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I don't have a list, and we just end up rambling for an hour. But you did send me a list. One of the things is peeing. You have that on the list. I I, I so I had three public urinations. I mean, every, I think everybody drinking has peed the bed. But what I would do sometimes is stand up blacked out drunk or like half asleep drunk and i would walk around and just piss where yeah I mentally thought the high five was dude have you done that uh yes dude i did it <laughs> I had a bit about where i was like how many times do you have to pee on your nightstand before you have a drinking problem <laughs> five the answer is five my, my, my buddy once did it all over like his new polo like his polo shirts no yeah but i did it my girlfriend the girl that i went to college with all over her books she had her books stacked up against her window. I got fucked up. We were sleeping out in the living room because she had friends in from out of town hanging out. And I walk in, pulled it out, pissed all over the books, and just the next morning getting yelled at. Oh, yeah. Rightfully so. <laughs> and I, I was like, it's not that bad. And I lifted up the book and just a Dripping piss. waterfall of piss ah. comes out of it. And I was like, ah, all right, I'll fix this. I'll fix this. I didn't buy new books. I couldn't afford them. I was so yeah, broke. Yeah, so expensive. Still broke. Probably couldn't afford them now if it came up. <laughs> uh, so I like dried them out for and like was like dabbing every page. And Yeah, I, um, I've done that exact thing. I had a little like – nightstand that my tv sat on and i had all my books for college in the nightstand and it's weird because i remember opening it thinking like oh this is where i'm supposed to pee 
Like this is the <laughs> urinal. Yeah. Which is weird because like my brain like had enough cognitive ability to where I remember opening it going like this is the urinal, the place I pee. But I couldn't put two and two together like no, this is not where you pee. So I remember opening the nightstand like to all my college books, like my textbooks in the nightstand and just peeing on them. Same thing though. I can't afford new books. Yeah. I can't get rid of them. So I just remember I walked around with the Communist Manifesto for one of my political science classes, and it was all like warped because it was a paperback, so it was all like warped and stuff. And that's uh, just the one I had to use. You know what? That makes me feel good that I'm not the only one that did that, and that there is a huge contingency of college students that are just walking around with piss covered books. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Not, there's at least two. You're just you're just in an economics class, like it smells like piss in here. And there's like three people out of what 300 that? That, that are like, yeah, yeah, hey, that's us. I got fucked up and pissed all over these books. Don't worry about it. All Don't, right? uh, mind your fucking business. Yeah. So <laughs> you said you had three public urinations. Um, did that affect you long term? It did. And everybody always says it makes you a sex offender. That's what I was going to get at because and... I had a cop yell at me one time and he goes, if you pull your dick out to pee outside, I will write you up as a sex offender. Yeah, and I freaked out. They didn't do that. I got it. I got it two times. We're just pretty run of the mill. They caught me pissing. Yeah. Like, Come on. What are you doing? And the th did they give you a ticket? They did give me a ticket Damn. the third time. And I don't even think I ever paid this third ticket. I'll be honest. So I hope they're not listening. Um, it's in Morgantown, West Virginia. I don't know when I'm ever going to go back there, but I was pissing outside. West Virginia calls you, hey, you want to headline a show? And you're like, God damn it. I can't do it. Hey, how much money would you like? Can you just expunge uh, the public <laughs> urination that I got in 2011? Uh, so I'm, it's like right off the main drag and I'm, here's what always bothers me about that though, is I was going, I was hiding to take yeah. a piss. I had to piss. Did they want me to go back in another bar and get more fucked up than I already am? That's dangerous. Now the cops are the problem. Um, so do you hear my justification? So I'm in the, I'm, I, I'm next to this dump, dumpster. I'm taking a piss. Right when I finish, I turn around and there's just three cops walking towards me. Two dudes and, and a female police officer. But you went out of your way to try and like hide yourself. Yeah. So they had to come to you. Yeah, they were walking up and they saw me. And my friend was waiting outside the alley for me. And I, um, you know, I start, they start talking to me. They're like, hey, was, uh, so uh, what are you doing back here? going to the bathroom and i was like no and you could just see pee like rolling towards me and the guy's like well you know you can't do that shit and i said kind of what i just said to you but probably less coherent is i was like well, what, what did you want me to do did you want me to go back in another bar i really had to go to the bathroom i was supposed to just walk around the street with piss on my pants back to my house and the guy starts being really mean to me and he's like well we're writing you a citation we're writing you a citation i was like you know what can she write me the citation because she's the only one being reasonable because she was yeah she was like trying to actually calm him down because he was like snapping on me for no like well for a reason but it was like just write me the ticket and let's fucking yeah, move on dude that's not there's no reason like to... like it wasn't like i was in in a park at noon <laughs> And next to the swings. No, that's exactly – yeah, that's exactly the point. It's I did what God put us here to do, piss <laughs> on the ground. I've had overzealous police officers arrest me before and like – and again, the same thing where it's like, I yeah, I'm probably not – I'm being a little belligerent. But at the same time, it's like, why are – you're the sober peace officer. Yeah. Why are you asking – like why are you getting baited by this? So I I get the ticket and I'm walking out. And right when I get out, out of the out of the alley, my friend is freaking out. Oh, really? Because I didn't realize it. The pants he had on were were too like 
like his pockets were too small. So I was holding it, it like, and, and I mean, I was smoking the weed, but I've never been a big weed guy. I had fucking huge, like fucking like cut of weed on me. Oh, really? In you my just, pocket. Hey, yeah, they, yeah, they didn't search me. Oh, wow. But I just had a bunch of weed in my pocket. God, I thought you were going to say, you, you like the cops turned and you like shouted something, but you the whole time had. The whole time I'm mouthing off, kind of being a dick, trying to be a little funny. God. And I, and I had drugs on me. Oh, my goodness. My buddy was freaking because he kind of saw the commotion there and thought yeah. I was going to get searched, and I never get, got searched. God. Cops are just bad at their job. I've, 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 had, I've had a good bit of interactions with the police drones. Yeah, let's, um, let's talk about it. So, because I've been arrested eight times, all of which I was Oh, drunk. wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, all of which except one. One, I was on my way to an AA meeting, and I had a warrant. It's a long story, and I've told it before, but I got arrested for not wearing a seatbelt, basically. But every other interaction has been because I'm hammered. Like one time during a hurricane, I tried to like go into a Walmart as they were closing. <laughs> uh, another time, I literally. The, oh, yeah. You're from Florida. Yeah. The cops tried to break up a party and I was pre-law. So I was like, do you have a warrant? And she was like, no. So I slammed the door in her face. In turn, thinking my door was soundproof and yelled up to the party. And I was like, this dumb bitch thinks she's coming out of our house without a warrant. <laughs> Literally 10 minutes later, she knocked on the door. I thought it was the pizza. She ripped me out, handcuffed me, goes, who's the bitch now? Oh, nice. Yeah, so I've had a lot of drunken interactions with police, but... She gave you like a lethal weapon tagline. Who's the bitch now? She's or fucking... burn notice. That could have been in burn notice. Yeah. I I used to try to tell it on stage, but I, I stopped over the years. But I used to say she she pulled me out of that doorway like I was white privilege personified. Like <laughs> she was not having it and slammed me on the ground, knee in the back of the head. That's Who's great. The pitch now. But you've you've had quite a few just from the public urinations and then the DUI that you had mentioned earlier. You have had quite a few run-ins with the police. Yeah, never only one time I was officially arrested. It was like an underage drinking when I was like 18 at a party. Oh, really? Okay. So you just yeah. – so even with all your interactions, it's mostly just tickets. Mostly citations, yeah. So tell us about – we'll fast forward now. You're out of college. You're doing comedy. You're living in Pittsburgh. Tell, take us back to that DUI, that faithful it, night. It was. It happened Memorial Day weekend, so it's, we're just past the anniversary of it. I, I think I was 26. So what year was this? Because you're 26. We're around the same age now. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be 33 this year. Okay, I just turned 34 last week. So okay, we're right yeah, around. The well, same happy age. birthday. Well, thank you. Um. So I. That'll I, sound weird because this is gonna come out in two weeks, and it's gonna be like, oh well. You know. Happy birthday two weeks ago. Dude. <laughs> hey. I I got a feature week and I was featuring for Reno Collier at the at the Pittsburgh Improv Memorial Day weekend. It's the Friday night of that weekend. And we go out and we just get wrecked. Like cause he was a partier then. Like the guy is since sober. Um, but I'm like ripping shots of tequila, getting so fucked up. And we ended up going back to the club. The manager, we go back to the comedy club at like two in the morning after the bars closed. We're drinking there. It's four in the morning. I hop in my car and I'm wrecked. And everybody, there was at least two or three people there that was like, hey, you could come crash in my house. Come yeah. crash in my house. And I had the dude, I made this drive a hundred times. So how I, far are you from the club? I, it was when I was, uh, it was like a 15 to 20 minute drive. <sighs> Fuck. So. I am driving on the highway. I'm going about like 60. And just a side note, I always tell everybody this, and I don't know if it still holds up, but if you're going to drunk drive, do it in reverse because there's no such thing as an RUI. <laughs> no, I was going to say do oh. it on the highway because, well, in the in the state of Florida, 
highway patrol, if you're just driving straight on, and you know, with power steering, cars drive straight, like just don't fucking pull the wheel. And if you're on the highway, they're not going to pull you over unless you're like speeding. It's they this- will if you hit a guardrail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I am driving. I look down to change. My this- advice is move now. <laughs> yeah, to change the song that I'm listening to. And I look up and I blast into a guardrail. Oh, my God. And you're going 60 miles an hour. Something like that. Jesus. And I wake up to a lady knocking on my window. And she's like, honey, are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah. She's like, I called the, uh, I, I called 911. And I Why go. Why would you do that? Well, that's what I said. I said, hey, you didn't call the police, did you? And she says, no, I called 911. I said, okay, good. And she goes, but you know, they usually come with 911. And I was like, ah, fuck. I'm just going to get out of here. My car's totaled. So I start like turning, I turn the uh, ignition on again because the car completely shut off. And I just hear the song that I wanted to hear play, which was I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. <laughs> and like my car's just going nowhere. So did, I get, did it turn on to the car? Did the engine turn over? Yeah, it turned over. Yeah, or, or at least the, the battery turned over. So okay. I could hear the music. I, I don't know much about cars, but oh, okay, I know okay, this okay. happened. And I get out and I just sit on the guardrail. The rest of it was a big guardrail. And because the police got there and it was the city police. And he starts, the dude starts walking up. I'm hammered and he goes, uh, So how much you have to drink tonight? And I was like, uh, A couple of beers. He goes, well, I could smell you from about 10 feet away. So do you uh, do you want to answer that again? I said, well, more than a fucking couple of beers. <laughs> what, what do you think? Because I'm, I'm being a dick, and it's not because I'm a tough guy. I'm a huge pussy, but it's because I know how much trouble I already am in. Yeah. So it's, I just it's don't It's already care. over. Like, yeah. Who? Yeah. So he's like, all right, well, we're going to be waiting here for the state troopers because it was a state road, and they were the ones yeah, that Yeah, the highways. Yeah, the state road. So state troopers get there. And City police have no jurisdiction on the highway, actually, in a lot of states. Oh, really? Yeah, they can't. So I could have just ran from his ass. Yeah, these can't. Because, so side note, just I know this just from being in the system so much, but there's only <laughs> there's only like three states where the state troopers are actual police. Boston's one of them. They're called stateies. I think New York is another. But in most states, you have two options for your highway. You can either have state troopers, like state police, or highway patrol. And most states opt for highway patrol. Because then that's all they're – that's what Super Troopers was about. It's their, I think Pennsylvania State Troopers. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. Because but. in Florida, they say State Troopers, but they're, they're, it's Florida Highway Patrol is what their their job is. Mm. And so the city police have no – like so you're not going to see – for 99% of the time, you won't see like a Daytona Beach police officer pulling someone over on I-95. That's State Troopers only. Okay. So they have to wait for the state troopers to show up because that's their jurisdiction. They were kind of like just detaining me. Yeah, it's their arrest. So these guys get there and they were actually really cool. Yeah. These troopers. So I'm in the back of of their car and I'm like, I mean, thankfully, I wasn't hurt at all. That's awesome. I I had like a small cut on my nose and I'm just bleeding a little bit back there. And 60 miles an hour under the guardrail, you'd think it'd be a lot worse. Just a little swelling. I had like a, maybe like a half a black eye. And, we're driving back there, and I'm just being a dick, like goofing around, like trying to make them laugh. And I say to the the guy, I go, "Hey, uh, if you um, if you want to just sweep this all under the rug, drive, <laughs> and sweep this all under the rug, drive me home. I'll give you a promo code for five dollar tickets at the Improv this weekend." And they're like laughing. They're like, "Ah, we're good. We're all set." You know, and, and they're giving it back to me. We're like, yeah. we're kind of like, we're like laughing, having a good time. Yeah. So we get to the, they take me to the hospital. They don't breathalyze me. They're going to get my blood work taken. 
So we get there and I said, hey, can I at least go to the bathroom and wash off my face? He says, yeah, you can go to the bathroom. And I was like, all right, well, you don't want to, you sure you don't want to come in with me? And he was like, no, I'm good. And then I was like, well, you better hope there's not a window in there because I'm crawling out and I'm escaping. And he goes, ah, I've seen the windows in there. You're not getting through those. <laughs> and it was like pretty funny. So like we were goofing around. They end up just dropping me off after this at a gas station so my buddy can pick me up. The same buddy from the pee story that was waiting for me that yeah, when I had the drugs in the my pocket. Weed, yeah. yeah, he was my roommate at the time. So he picks me up like six in the morning. He was like, I just remember you stinking so bad. Wait, like, wait, wait. So they didn't... It's white privilege, dude. But dude, I... I've been arrested a lot. They, they, I've never uh, – one time I've been just dropped off. So They, they said, call call somebody to come pick you up. We'll drop you off at the gas station. I think they were doing me a huge favor yeah. because it was Memorial Day weekend. And if they booked me or something like that – It takes like, like that, eight hours, yeah. Well, there wouldn't be a judge to see me until after Memorial Day because it was a holiday. Oh, yeah. So I would have been like – I probably would have had to stay overnight in jail. Oh, you definitely would have. I'm saying for, for like them it would have been like an eight – like that's the end of your – like once you book someone on a DUI, you got to go back and fill out the police report and do the booking. So for them, that's their whole – that would yeah. be the rest of their night. So they just dropped you off? They dropped me off and my buddy picked me up at the gas station. And oh, my God. I, so I – um. It's fast forward months later, uh, he comes the officer Bruggeman, the the guy from the DUI, he comes to the hearing because he has to come. Like, so later. yeah, did they give you paperwork? What happens to your car? I like- got it. I got the paperwork mailed to me. Car was totaled. Um, I didn't have gap insurance, so it cost me a ton of fucking money to yeah. get a new car. And like I still had like you know five grand left on the because the way that it was appraised or whatever yeah bullshit i lost a lot of money is all i know and plus what i had to pay for for the dui class yeah, so they still gave you the dui but instead of booking you and then because re- a lot of times on your first dui they'll just release you on your own recognizance they just let you out so yeah. instead of going through that whole process they basically were like just have someone pick you up and then we'll send you the paper and they mailed me all this stuff okay yeah. i thought the reason I was so taken back was I thought they literally were just like, all right, we'll chalk this up to a loss, get your car to the impound kind of a thing. Well, all my – all my, like I had a couple of those like conspiracy-type buddies that were like, you're good, dude. They're not even going to give you a DUI. They dropped you off. They, they, oh, they okay. don't know so, what the fuck they're talking yeah. about. Because <laughs> in my head, I was like, I've – like I understand like I've gotten a lot lighter sentences, you know – for certain reasons, but I was like, I've never just been like, oh, never mind, you're not getting the DUI. That's where I thought you were going. Yeah. That's why I was like, no, that's why no, I stopped I got, you. And I was like, wait, what the fuck happened? I got the DUI, man. So then they, it's okay, and that makes a lot more sense now. So they just mailed you everything. Yeah. And then when you go to your hearing, what happens? So I, I did, my buddy represented me, who's a lawyer, and he made it super easy because. I mean, if you don't have a lawyer for that, it kind of sucks and you have to like wait for a lot of things. But I was able to go to my hearings and like leave work for like an hour and my work didn't have to know that I was oh, dealing yeah. with a DUI. So finally, I see the the police officer, the state trooper that arrested me. Hey. He was really cool. He's like, what's going on, man? He's like, how's comedy doing? Uh, how's that going? I was like, oh, that's good. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm on a different shift now. Uh Maybe me and the old lady will come down and see you sometime if you can give us the hookup on tickets. And I was like, dude, you had your chance. <laughs> and he starts cracking up, man. That's and, we, awesome. and and he and he was cool. Like, I mean, you know, I can yeah. I I mean he even let me be an asshole in the back of his car and wasn't like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. There's some I mean, there's I've run into a lot of different kinds of cops. Like I said, there's some that are very aggressive and then there's some that are just like, Yeah, man, like you fucked up. Like there's not like I gotta take you in. I had one 
when I got my very first DUI, I think it was my first one, but the guy who pulled us over, he literally said, if my, if you can get someone, no, it was my second DUI. They go, the guy said, if your roommate can get here to pick you up, because I was a mile from my house, I went to that Walmart. And he was like, if your roommate can get here and pick you up before my sergeant shows up, I'll just say that you got a ride. He goes, but my sergeant is called. So he'll be here in like 90 seconds. And we lived a mile away and I'm like freaking out trying to call my roommate. I'm like, you guys have to get here. You guys have to get here. So the sergeant ends up getting there. And so they take me in and I get arrested. <sighs> my roommates, I spent like six or seven days in jail. By the time I got out and got back to my apartment or my house, my roommates were like, dude, we rushed there as fast as we could. We were driving up and down the parking lot of the Walmart because, you know, they're massive. They're like, we thought for sure we were going to rescue you, but you were already gone. And I was like, son of a bitch. 90 seconds. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like it, he knew there was no way that yeah. it would have been possible. But at the same time, like, so I've met cops that are like cool like that, too, where they're like, yeah, it's just this is the job. Like you, we caught you. Like now we have to book you. You just need to have one of those friends like uh, like the wolf. Did you ever see Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he's like, he's like uh, it's about five minutes away. I'll be there in 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would have been fucking perfect. So did you end up what What was the penalty? You said you lost your license for two months. Lost my license for two months. I had to take uh, DUI classes. I had to attend a certain amount of AA meetings. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh man, I I'm, I want to because we we have time, so I want to kind of try and do both of these. But okay, the sending I can make them quick. The sending nudes one. What was that about? Uh yeah, I. When was this? Th this what, is this is a quick one. one. This was around the same time as I got that DUI. I okay. was living in a house with uh, with two of my buddies, and we would get like hammered. We throw parties all the time. It was, so, it was such a fun time in my life. Yeah. Um. And. So when Snapchat first came out, Snapchat yeah, was really was. big. And, you know, it was like a bunch of dudes were there that night. It was We weren't like even having girls over. It was like a fantasy football draft. And we get all drunk. And my buddy must have got so fucked up and got. <laughs> there weren't even girls there. And got and my buddy gets all drunk and he gets butt ass naked. So night plays out. Wake up the next morning. Hung over. I'm on the couch. My friend's on the other couch. The the guy that got drunk is and naked. Is he still naked? No, no. He's wearing clothes at this point. And I pick up my phone and I just have a bunch of these Snapchat responses. And I'm like, and it's and it's like a couple things are like from like friends like uh, laughing my ass off. You know, somebody's like, oh, he looks good. And somebody's like, oh, look at his hog. And like all these things and then one this girl that i dated for a little bit and then i quit talking to she goes you're fucking disgusting oh no and i'm like dude 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 and i'm waking him up i'm like please look at your phone because i saw he hadn't opened it yet and he's like what are you talking about i was like look at your phone dude i was like i think i did something bad <laughs> and his phone's dead so we're just waiting for his phone to charge he's like what did you do you know he's getting so mad at me and then i just see him he hits the button and puts his hand over his face and just sinks down and he's like what the fuck dude and it's just him with a with like a button up shirt that like that's like wide open with his chest hanging out no bottoms sitting on the couch just naked it looked hilarious i mean it's a hilarious picture yeah and he like wasn't like as mad at me as as I thought he should have been or as I would have been, and we hit up my other buddy who 
is the lawyer in the yeah. story. And he was there. He's like, oh, you don't remember that, Ray? He said, oh, me and you were sitting there. We took the picture because we were mad that he was walking around naked and all drunk. So we were – me and you were picking out who we were going to send it to laughing hysterically when he fell asleep. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, man. Did he have a nice hog? He had a decent wiener on him, yeah. There you go. Well, it wasn't like, you know, nobody was like, oh, look at that little dick. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, yeah, I felt I felt bad. That was like the worst friend thing, one of the worst friends things I've ever because done. Because you said sending nudes, so I assumed they were going to be It was my nude, yeah. no. This no, rag. but some of those, uh, when I said that I would delete those text messages. Yeah. When I was blacked out drunk, yeah. some of those were... Nudes? Yeah, probably... Fucking dong shots. Big old Ray Ray. Yeah, well, no, but average old Ray Ray. Below average old Ray Ray. Polish old Ray Ray. Uh, he's a grower. <coughs> the homeless guys. Is that in New York or is that in Pittsburgh? Oh, that's a, that's a kid's story. That was when I was young. Oh, really? That was when we were like 14 or 15. I assumed this was like a New York thing where <laughs> you'd know, get right? hammered and hang out with uh, some of the uh, unhoused. No, there was – and I guess – I mean homeless is a technical term. It's a. It was a dude that was working on this house and he didn't have anywhere to live. So he was just illegally staying in this house that he was remodeling. Oh, okay. Um, but it was like – a house in like a shitty neighborhood and it was just like his like clothes and sleeping bags everywhere and he was kind of hiding out in there and people couldn't know he was in there and the way we found him is it was an old he we saw him outside of a liquor store we did the whole thing where you give him money to get you some liquor and then we find out that it was my buddy's old stepdad and plot twist he was like uh, if you guys are looking for a place you can come party here and we ended up having parties at this semi-abandoned house where yeah. he was at. And he would have some of his weird buddies that I would assume were also somewhat homeless or very close to it. And we would just end up getting fucked up with those dudes. So how old were you when this is happening? Like, like 16, 14. 14? 15. And this is – that's crazy. So this guy was just like – had a place but was like in the middle of like – It wasn't his place. Oh, it wasn't. No, it was that's, that's why house. I mean he was homeless. So he, so he was like a – I thought you meant he was remodeling his house but while it was under construction, he wasn't legally He was remodeling somebody else's house. And he, he was, was like a worker. Oh, my God. He was illegally staying there. We, so dude, we partied flying. there like four or five times. Uh, yeah, I was going to – you noticed you put the S on the end of that. So I was going to ask, so four or five times? Yeah, I would say so. And one time I got so shit-faced that I – couldn't leave and i slept there in like all this old dude's clothes and to his testament my buddy chris at the time who has since passed away he um stayed there with me he was like i'll stay here with him you know make sure yeah nothing you know these dudes were were fine i I guess i don't know but you know probably not yeah you know god so you just party with the unhoused yeah, man. Rock and fucking roll. The unhoused sounds a lot better than homeless, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Liv's got a whole – or there's – well, there's this whole thing now where you're not allowed to say homeless. That's politically incorrect. You say unhoused. What about bum? I don't – I'm not sure. <laughs> you call them bums? I, I just don't – I mean, I don't even look at them. I just <laughs> – I don't even know what that word means because they don't exist in – Peasants. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Comedy. It's not hey, a joke. He's I'm, serious. Hey, I'm gay. Uh, all right. We've got time for the Mohegan Sun story. 
This is the big one. This oh, is the big this, dandy. Is it the big dandy? I don't know. The I, DUI one was probably the big dandy. This I is wrote just, it last. This so. is just dessert. Um, All right, yeah, a little apartif. I to set the stage, I had a pretty significant knee injury. Okay. How did I get the knee injury? You're a natural athlete, I can tell. I'm not sure. I started running again during the pandemic. This is like mid-pandemic. Okay, so this isn't that long ago. Late pandemic. Okay. And my knee just swelled up one day. Oh, and, shit. And it's like, it's, it's still a little bit fucked up, but it was like kind of bad then. Like I had like a little like limb. So my buddy Adam was doing the comedy competition up at the Mohegan Sun. So me, him, and... Two other comics go up and we're just going to – we just wanted to get the hell out of New York for a yeah. little bit. You know, everybody was stranded here from the pandemic. Where's the Mohegan Sun at? It's in Connecticut. Okay. That's so it's like a three-hour drive and we go up there and we have one hotel room and it's two 30-year-old dudes in one bed, two 30-year-old dudes in another bed, Goddamn which should right. never fucking happen, which th- that's part of the, the problem. But me and my buddy Paul – Who's a, who's, a, who's a comic in New York. The second day we're there, it's the Sunday, it's the day Adam's doing the competition. Okay. So he's not really partying. Uh, the other guy's not a big drinker. And we're going to watch Sunday football. Hell I'm a Steeler yeah. fan. He's a Jets fan. And their beers were – they had like $2.50 12-ounce drafts. Oh, wow. Me and Paul – Now it's now it's a party. Drank fucking 30 of them, right? Yeah. And then – that's like at starting at noon. You get your bill, it's like 70 bucks, and you're like, oh, that's, that's okay. 11. Yeah. So I keep walking around, though. I'm drinking everywhere I go. We get to the show, I'm drinking. I'm hammered. I forget that because my knee was fucked up, I ate a Vicodin at like 11 o'clock. Oh, shit. And then I think I ate another one at some point in the night because I had to. I didn't have any when I woke up the next morning. So. I sit down at the blackjack table. They all end up leaving. They go back to the the hotel. The hotel was, that we were at wasn't in the casino. We were staying at a cheaper hotel, which is like a mile away. Okay. So I I don't really totally remember all this. I just kind of know because of the receipts and what happened and the Playing severe detective. pain in my knee and what these guys tell me about how bad I annoyed them when I got back. Yeah. So I wake up the next morning. I lost $1,000 playing blackjack. Holy shit. Yeah. To the point where I had like – and that's not a thousand dollars you don't have because as we were discussing you're sharing a hotel room with three other dudes i didn't have money i didn't have the money like like that was like a huge setback i was so broke at that time i wasn't working it was when unemployment just kind of shut down for a while it was one of those breaks and so i lost that my knee was throbbing i could like almost couldn't walk again because i walked a mile Back hammer drunk hotel. back to the hotel because I couldn't get an Uber because it was so late and it's like kind of middle of nowhere Connecticut. And then I go and I lay in the bed with with, with my buddy Paul. Apparently he wanted to fucking knock me out because I kept like moaning in my sleep. I kept like putting my arm around him like he was a chick. I at one point am just taking a taking a shit with the door open and I just have to lay there when I wake up in the morning because I'm semi-blacked out and just hear all of them talking shit on me about how fucked up I was and like what was wrong with me. Was I on drugs? Did I do something else? Yes, yes, and yes. I was. But the thing is, I didn't even remember that I I took the Vicodin for my knee until like a week later when I'm talking to Paul apologizing for like the 16th time because I was so fucking embarrassed. Yeah. But yeah. I have done that before where – 
especially when I used to take a lot of like Klonopin and Xanax and stuff for my anxiety, but yeah. I was still self-medicating. So like I had these prescriptions from a doctor and I've done that before where I'll do like three or four shots and then I'm like, fuck, I took my medicine this morning. Like I'm already too far down the rabbit hole. Done. And then, but it's one of those things where you, you, I'd, it would hit me as I'm like realizing like, oh fuck, by the time these shots hit me, like I'm fucking out of it. Like this is going to be really, really bad. It's, it's just recipe for a blackout. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, are you cool with everybody now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there. Some, uh, the, the one guy moved. I, I never see him. But yeah, I mean, there. I was cool with them. I mean, they were a week after. Yeah. Not even. I mean, okay. the next day, like they all like text me, like, "Dude, are you good? Or, like, is everything okay?" Yeah, it wasn't. But me, the way that I work, I'm like, oh, these dudes hate me. They're never. Yeah. Gonna oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. I'm the same exact way. I, I have people to this day that I still won't talk to, and I'm sure everything would be fine. But I'm like, no, they fucking hate me because the yeah. one time I got drunk and peed all over their shit. I didn't drink for 40 days after that. Oh, wow. I started like eating better and I lost like 60 pounds. Oh, that's awesome. After that happened, I gained, I gained about half of it back. But uh, lost 30 pounds. Uh, yeah, great. Um, I would love to get that other 30 back off. But I was like, dude, I, I just remember that like just being sick in my bed that next day, just laying there and like looking at my bank account. I think I had like, Sixty dollars in my bank account, God. and and I think I had maybe two weeks before I was going to see any money again. And you know what I did? I ordered like forty dollars worth of comfort food because that's how my mind works. With the sixty dollars you had left, yeah, I'm like, hey, if if I already lost, what the fuck, sixty more dollars? Yeah, you know? absolutely. It, it reminds me, my my dad. I remember him. Uh, he was a pretty big gambler, and he. I heard him in the same like hour span call his landlord and tell him he's going to be late a week on rent. And then he hit a basketball game. And instead of taking that money to put it towards his rent, he was like, Ray, we're going to get Omaha steaks tonight. Fuck. Yeah, we are. So that's where I learned money management. That is hey, same with me. My dad, <laughs> my dad always says he's, he's, my dad's a fantastic salesman. He always goes, perception is reality. So as long as people think you got it, you got it. Yeah, right. That, that's how I that that's how I have my spending habits. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming Dude, on. This thanks was for a having blast. me. Uh, plug everything one more time. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, at Ray B Killing them on all social media. Uh, check out uh, my podcast, Brand New Jerks. I do that with Sean Donnelly. Uh, new episodes every Thursday wherever you get podcasts, and uh, come to a show or something. I post about that shit all the time. Beautiful. Thank you everybody so much for listening at Brennan T Comedy on all social media. BrennanTComedy.com. Subscribe on Patreon. New merch. Coming next. Well, it's already out. Hey, when this episode airs, new merch is out. Grab that merch. Um, thank you again, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>